Welcome to the AT. Oh, we got to record. Fuck. No, we're recording. We're good. Ah! What is going on, guys? I am Paul Ryan, your host of the ATB Fantasy Show. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to my regular listeners, welcome back. Uh, with me tonight is senior writer and Dynasty Nerds, uh, excuse me, senior writer for Dynasty Nerds and creator of the Pick Value Cycle Chart. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome EK Baller. EK, how are you? I'm really good, man. Uh, hope everyone out there is having a good night. And uh, just thanks again for having me on, Paul. It's always a good time chatting with you. Yeah, I, I remember when you first, you know, what we're going to be talking about tonight, when you first debuted, I was like, that sounds interesting. And I wish I would have thought about it, you know, like around draft time and everything. But I'm excited for our discussion tonight because I feel like even though rookie picks might not be as sought after as they would have been, of course, around draft time, I feel like the trade chart that we'll be discussing and, you know, even trading for rookie picks, I feel like this is still kind of intertwined in a way and can still be helpful to people who, who might be trying to trade for those coveted rookies. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think, um, you know, dynasty when you're playing with other skilled players is a game of like finding small advantages, right? Oh, yeah, and that's, yeah. You know, most people that know what they're doing aren't going to, you know, throw three first round picks at you for, you know, an average player, but, you know, we got to get small edges where we can. And, you know, I do think that knowing the right times to, to make the right moves can certainly be a part of a winning strategy absolutely yeah that's perfectly said so that couldn't be more true before we get into our discussion tonight ek where can we find you on twitter uh i am at ek baller as paul has so nicely put there under my screen <laughs> and uh you know i'm on there i'm always happy to chat dynasty football whatever all my articles will go up there all my articles are published on dynasty nerds I do a lot of draft content. I do some strategy articles in the off season and, um, you know, just some, some topical stuff as we go through the season. Yes, sir. Well, guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15, you know, EK kind of touched on it there, but talk to us a little bit about your role with dynasty nerds. Yeah, I, I've been with them for, for a few years now. I've, I've helped out with editing. Uh, I do some, some film work um, mostly because I really enjoy doing it and I find I understand a lot more about uh, players and skills and, 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 you know, what, what good play is like and bad play is like by cutting the film up myself and uh, kind of grinding on it. And then, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I, I write a lot of articles, tons of draft work, a lot of player profiles, some Debbie stuff, kind of, you know, I, I love the guys over there. They're awesome. It's a great team. It's a great editorial yeah. staff. And uh you know they'll they'll kind of let us do do what we want to do when when you're you know you've been there and 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 they know you produce decent content and right. uh, I I love that because you know if I had someone hounding me to do you know kind of like a waiver wires article or something every week I I wouldn't be that enthusiastic about it but I, I find joy in kind of like seeking after the the deeper stuff in Dynasty and um, you know and, and redraft. You know, it's been a while since I've listened to, to the uh, Dynasty Nerds, but when I first got introduced to Dynasty and I was looking for that edge that you were kind of talking about, I uh, I stumbled upon the Dynasty Nerds podcast. I don't know how long they had been going, but it seemed like it was kind of at the beginning before they really started to take off. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, those guys, Dynasty Rich and Matt and uh, and Price, dude, I learned so much from those guys. And I know one thing that people tend to talk about a lot, especially with the Nerd Herd membership, is the uh, the film room where you can go in there and like you can evaluate rookies, watch some film, and even watch it with, I guess, somebody who might be um, a content creator with the Nerds to kind of help people understand what it is they're seeing on film. Yeah, um, you know, and, and and you mentioned price, and price is awesome at that. He'll do um, he'll do cut ups a few times a year, and uh, you know, explain. He's done some where he helps helps you work through different kinds of blocking schemes and things like that. Uh, he'll do a lot where he you know breaks down a, a running back's play and you know what they're seeing, what they should be reading, things like that. Um, that's enormously helpful to me. And then I think, like you said, Paul, um, like for me, one of the big benefits of like I get is being a staff member or nerd herd subscribers get um, company man plug the product right is it, really the film room. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's I feel like just relying on other analysts takes uh, you can hear like the same person. You can hear two different people make the exact opposite argument uh, about a player. You know, this guy's good. This guy's bad. They yeah. both have, you know, a lot of followers. They both seem to know what they're talking about. Uh, right. Sometimes it really helps to to just like watch it yourself. And, um, you know, and then like I, I, I was no expert when I started doing this, but like after a few years of doing it, I, I think I understand a lot more what like good play looks like, what like a, a clean route looks like, what, you know, guys are supposed to be doing and, you know, mm-hmm. their break and, you know, getting off press and, and things like that, that I've learned. Um, you know, from from doing the work and, and, and grinding film and, and paying attention to people that are better than me and more experienced yeah. than me at it and trying to learn from them. Um, so the film room is a, a shortcut to doing that, right? Like we cut the film up for you. You can go in there and look up Garrett Wilson and there'll be 12 games from Garrett Wilson's college career uh, that you can just watch. And it's just play, 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 play. We cut out all the nonsense uh, and anything that's not relevant. And um, yeah, it's really a great tool. So, you know, with that tool, because I don't have much experience, I'm actually not a nerd herd member, but I, you know, I should change that. Do you have like for your player, you go to Garrett Wilson route running, will you, will it have it where you can like see his strengths and weaknesses or how, how is it, you know, how do y'all have that set up? Yeah. So the, the film room, uh, you know, no one's uh, interjecting their own opinions onto the film. It's just the okay. plays. It's just cut ups. You know, play, play, play. It's there for you to watch the film yourself and make your own decisions about. But there's mm, okay. tons of resources uh, for learning how to break down film better. Like Jetpack Galileo does yes. a lot of breakdowns. Um, uh, the some of the nerds guys, I think Jared specifically, and Nick. Let's say Nick Starnelli. I, I'm not sure if I remember the right Nick's last name, but they do. Um, what do they call it? They do a film series, and it's the two of them watching film together. I think Garrett does it sometimes, but not always. Mm-hmm. And literally breaking it down, watching the clip over and over again, pointing out like what guys should and should should be doing, should and should not be doing on a given play. Um, you know, like highlighting what good play and bad play looks like. That is really useful. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, I can look it up after this, and we can post it yeah. on thread with this uh, if For any sure. of your viewers are interested. I find it really useful. Uh, that was something that when I first started to get into it, I watched a lot of their work because they're both really experienced. Nick's a coach. Um, uh, Jared played, right? Wackerly played. And um, and they're both really good film analysts. Wackerly, actually, uh, Jay Wack um, mm-hmm. from the Nerds was one of the, I guess, 
um, there's another analyst, I think it was David Zach, actually uh, correlated film scores from a few different film analysts to mm-hmm. uh, actual success during the season. And Jared was like number two. It was like Jetpack, Jared, and then I forget who the third one was. Um, wow. He, he's really sharp, man. Uh, he understands the game and he translates it well to fantasy. I uh, can't say yes, enough sir. good things about him. Yeah, for sure. So we, we talked about the film room being one of the perks of the Nerder membership. Can you talk to us about what, what all is included in that? Yeah. So I, I honestly, like as long as I've known these guys, like I've been a staff member. So like I've never like paid for the subscription myself. But oh, I, I, my understanding is you get the extra podcast every week. And right. that's, you know, Rich and Garrett and and, and Matt, um, you know, uh, going on in deeper length at, at various topics. You get the film room. Uh, and then I, I think there's some discounts on merch, things like that. The other product they offer that I will also evangelize company man here, uh, is the dynasty GM tool. Uh, I'm not sure mm, if you've seen yeah. that at all, Paul, but that, that's uh, again, like the trade uh, thing, right? Yeah. Right. There's a lot of different stuff in there. Um, the kid, uh, Nick P dynasty stump, uh, did a lot of the design on it and I, I, I use it. I don't use any tools ever, honestly. Like I barely listen to podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of other people's research. I do my own work, and yeah. um, the Dynasty GM is one of the one of the tools I do use a lot. Um, it's got it's got tools where you can see like kind of like rankings of your teams because um, they have they have player rankings, not just by ranking, but by like numerical values, right? That's how they do it for trades. They let you use that for trade analyzers. They let you use it for team analyzers. You can pull up your league. And uh, they'll show you graphic bars of like, oh, this guy is really weak at wide receiver, really strong at running back. So if you're a savvy dynasty manager, you can take that information and be like, well, this guy probably should be interested in trading me for a wide receiver and sending me a running back and vice versa, right? And then um, the other thing they use is huge for me that they have there is you can search your leagues, all your leagues for a specific player. So you can tell who has it. You can tell if the guy's on waivers. And more importantly, I can tell if I have a guy on my team. So when there's a late swap situation, I can just look it up in one place and know, oh, geez, I have to pull Austin Eckler out of two teams on MFL and four teams on sleeper, you know, and mm. I don't go do that. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. And I can't tell you how many weeks it saved me because I, 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 we were talking earlier and you said you get like 14 leagues. I got like 30 something right now. So mm. that's too much just to be scrolling and like, you know, looking for guys with the warning symbol or reading blurbs. It's just too much. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like you've got quite, quite a few tools. I was, uh, I am kind of curious. Um, you know, you, we've talked, we talked in depth about the film. Do you have like an a- analytics tool that kind of kind of show you which rookie to pick, which one comes with like higher risk, which one comes with like a, is like a top tier prospect type thing. Do y'all, do y'all offer a tool like that? Uh, sorry for more like analyzing prospects. Yeah. Like where you're so, you know, of course you've got the, again, when we've talked about the film room, but I meant like more so of like um, when they, when you factor in their, their metrics, like at the combine and things like so that, like that. They do, you know, now again, like I, I'm, I'm clearly a poor employee here, but uh, they do have the nerd score. I think that's part of being a nerd herd and they'll do okay. a graphic card for every player. Um, and they'll have, you know, measurables on it. They'll have the nerd score, uh, rankings, which again, I think it's, I think it's all four of them. I think it's Jared 
and then Garrett, Rich, and I, I think Matt does them as well. Um, you know, and they have a, a system where they rank attributes of different players and and uh, and break it down. And, and honestly, that's tested pretty well too. Uh, yeah. And yeah, you know, that's that's really useful. Like I said, I don't really listen to anyone else's rankings. I, I do a lot of rookie work. Um, I try not to kind of color my own perspective too much of other people's, but um, they present the information in a really useful way, and they're certainly knowledgeable resources. Yes, sir. So um, I'm curious your value cycle, uh, your value cycle chart, your tra- value cycle trade chart is is that part of the nerds nerds herd uh, membership? No, it's just so it's content I made. I made it for an article. Um, I, I don't know if you're writing my work. I did a series like three years ago, four years ago, when I was relatively new to playing Dynasty. Um, yeah. And it was the intro to Dynasty series. And one of the articles was, I can't remember if I made this one for, there was one that was like about startup and, and draft picks. Uh, There's one about rookie picks and rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. I think that's what this one came from. And you know, okay. while I was doing it, I was like, oh, it'd be great if someone had a graphic representation of this idea. Because this idea was in my head. And um, I used to do some design work. I don't do it professionally anymore. So I, you know, I made something that 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 got the ideas out of my head and onto paper. You know, I'll tell you what, this is very slick. It's nice to look at. It's easy to understand. I'll tell you that. I appreciate that. Thank you. I um, you know, I didn't think about using this during my rookie drafts. However, uh, you know, since we're here, we're talking about it. I'm curious, what inspired the idea and, and the creation of the trade chart? I know you said you were wanting to get your, your thoughts on the paper, but where did, the, where did the idea come from to just try to get a better gauge of the value of rookie picks? So uh, specifically, the idea behind this, uh, I got from another analyst, um, not the idea for a graphic representation, but there was a guy that used to write for Dynasty Nerds whose handle was Dynasty Kyle. I don't think he's very active in the community anymore. He like he'd had a Patreon for a while and kind of done that thing, but I think he's just kind of not like you know super active as you know a content producer at this point. But he had a Dynasty Nerds article. Uh, it's linked in my original article. I dropped this in, and he was talking about you know this effect. Like this is the time of year you should be trading for rookie picks. This is the time of year you should be trading picks away for players and so on and so forth. And it was, you know, it's a short, concise, it was like a page or two, but, um, you know, really kind of like hit home to this for me. And um, I think a lot of what I was working on when I was doing this, it was, like I said, it was either a rookie draft article or it was, uh, uh, I had written one in that series about like rebuilding, like when to know when to rebuild the dynasty, yeah. how to go about it. And I think all those all those ideas kind of like flowed together, you know, from one to another. And uh, I I I live and die by this in a lot of ways. I'm not necessarily um, like aggressively like just ever buying picks just to buy picks or selling picks just to sell picks. I'm always making moves in the context of my team. You know, mm-hmm. um, if my Trading team with purpose, do- right? Yeah, right. Yeah, trade for the purpose. And I'm not I, I, I'm not a guy that'll, you know, and this is uh, like Leo Signa has done a lot of work on this. I, I have a trading article that was part of that series where I, where I spent a lot of time kind of breaking down different kind of league mates. But, I, you know, you, you have the people in your league that want to trade for a player and they're like, right. you know, uh, like my friend Rob, like him from him, her. He loves Deontay Johnson. 
he is going to actively send out trades for Deontay Johnson, specifically targeting that player. You have other people that are like pick hungry, right? That like their favorite thing in dynasty, whether they know it or not is like rookie drafts and accumulating picks. Right. And they want like youth and picks um, like as an operational strategy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to be like a value hunter. Like the oh, deal yeah. that I'm looking for is the best deal, right? Like mm -hmm. if I think someone's weak on a player that I like, I'm going to go after him. If I think someone overvalues a player I have, I'm going to sell him, you know? Uh, and then other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm like building a, my, my team in a direction. If I have a team that's competing, um, you know, I'm pretty much going to be stocking up on veterans on that team um, I'm going to be accumulating production. If I think I have like a top five team in a league, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm wary of throwing too much capital at veterans in the off season because I've had the experience where like early off season, early in the season, you spend all your futures on a vet and then your quarterback goes down or something, you know? Oh, yeah. And now that mm -hmm. first rounder you sent away is going to be like the 102 or the 103 or the 101. And that's, that is a bad feeling, you know? So I tend to wait a little bit um, until I know that my team has, you know, some steam to it. And like, that's not the optimal strategy in terms of value. I think like you'd kind of alluded to, I mean, the best time to buy veterans is more like, well, really, it's before the rookie draft, right? You should be mm. selling your picks before the rookie draft to yeah. buy veterans because all we're talking about during that time of year is rookies, is the NFL draft, right? Um, and that's all we're thinking about. You know, and no one's thinking about Marquise Brown, right? Like, he's not – no one's pumping him up in, in, in January and February, right? Like – yeah. Uh, you know, no one's no one's actively seeking to buy Robert Woods right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, throwing a first at him. But like if you need some veteran production on a team, you know, you might want to slip a slip a second to that or try to get a package deal. You know what I mean? Trade down on a tier, send a 23 for, you know, Woods plus, you know, something more desirable, um, something like that. Um, you know, but, I, I Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to cut you off. Go ahead, sir. Oh, no, I was going to say the, the one the one aspect of this that I tend to personally capitalize a lot is if my team's not good. I'm not that top five team. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, even if I'm in the middle, but I think I'm just like barely a playoff contender. Like I'm going to aggressively break that team down. I'm not going to fire sale. I'm going to kind of wait until the middle of the season when players – Values are peaking, right? Like that nice green part of the chart up there. And, I, and I'm going to offload guys, you know, for future picks. Um, that 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 was tough to do this past season just because there's already so much hype on 23s. And it's, it's, it's tough to do now, too. Um, like I have a couple of teams where I'm just, you know, putting out feelers constantly because I know I'm not competing this year. So I'm trying to offload age and production and stock up on future capital and youth and uh man people have a death grip on those 23s it's it's rough out there <laughs> yeah i wanted to ask you you know you kind of talked i wanted to wanted you to discuss your your trade approach and you mentioned that like if there's a player in your league that you know that the owner is lower on 
you'll you'll go after him. Uh, you don't strike me as somebody who will send an offer they wouldn't accept first off. But well, you know, could you talk about a little bit about your strategy initially, like when you're sending out that first offer? Yeah, uh, I won't send an offer that I think is going to piss someone off on purpose. I, I do have times that I'll trade spam, and I'm just like I'm just trying to to do some trades, and I'm probably going to start a hair lower than what I think we're going to wind up at. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I lead off with those. If I really want to get a deal done or I know the person that I'm trying to trade with, like, like some people hate that, right? If you like send a little low, there's people that get even just a little bit low. There's people that will get angry at you, right? Yeah. So if I know I'm dealing with someone that, that that's like that and I've traded with them before and I just – the best thing to do is to send me send, – send them my best offer first, I'll do that. You know, I try to – always try to trade across needs – Right. So if I'm trying to acquire picks, I'm trying to trade to probably like a better team or a team that's like a decent team, but has a need that I can fill. Right. Like your, your team's really good, but you have no running back depth. I'm going to try to ship you, you know, a Dalvin Cook, a Leonard Fournette. Right. Something like that, that like fits your team, fits your needs. Um, I, I a lot of people are going to probably try to counter you almost no matter what you send. Right. So there's some people that if you send your best offer, they're still going to send it back and ask for a third. Right. So I tend to start just like a little low, like maybe, you know, a hair under value um, and then have some room to pivot. Um, but yeah. I think you got to know the people you're trading with. Right. Cause there's some people that that's the way you should approach it. And that's, what's going to get a deal done. Cause they're always going to want to feel like they want, right. They're going to want to feel like, Oh, I asked for a little more and I got a little more. But then there's other people that are going to be like, no, F you, man. Like you, I wouldn't, you wouldn't accept that. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's like, for me, that's, and again, I, I mentioned Leo Signa earlier. He had, he had a thread a couple of years ago. I think he's done a lot of work on this about taking uh, notes, like actually making a notebook of trades that happen in your league, um, tendencies of different players in your league. Right. Like, you know, whether you have youth seekers or, you know, people that love old veterans or, people that just want wide receiver talent and hate, hate running backs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like really like identifying like the person that you're just across the table from you trying to do it and uh, what, what they want and what's going to get a deal done with them. Um, I thought it's really helpful. Yeah. I'm in a league right now. This is my first ever taste of dynasty. My first ever dynasty league. It's actually a Debbie league, but there's this one. He's actually the commissioner. Uh, I hope he's not listening. I mean, you know, I'm not going to bad mouth him or anything, but. <laughs> He's he's the drop the hammer. <laughs> he's the worst type of owner there is, and he's the hoarder of all the talent. Like he doesn't, he every trade he makes is calculated, kind of like you were saying. You don't just trade a trade, but he won't even like take an overpay for a player that isn't starting for him. Like he's that type of guy where he picks players because he likes them, and he's more than likely they're going to hold on to him. And he won't even sell like 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 I said, he won't even sell on an overpay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can usually pry someone away from me by by offering me more than they're worth. Um, Right. You know, even if it's not like fitting my build, Uh, unless we're in season and I think I'm going to win. Then, like, I, in that scenario, like if it's October and I have like a, you know, I'm like third or second place in the league and I have a good team, like, you can't pry talent off me with any offer. It's just not worth it. There's no amount of like winning a future picks that's worth a championship for me. Right. I just like, I want to win. I want to win money. I want to win the championship. I want the little gold medal next to my name on sleeper. Uh, right. Right. That's a good feeling. I won't lie. 
Uh, are you the type who will where you you won't will, will you trade bench player for bench player? Uh, why? You know, I mean, if I need depth, I guess. And it's like usually if I'm trading and I'm not like there's two 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 main types of trades that say I'm doing right. Like either I, I I'm trying to I'm trying to get my team younger and trying to get futures because it's not a good squad and I don't think I'm going to compete. Right. And if I'm not going to compete and I'm going to be in the middle, I'd rather get production off my roster because I'd rather get a better draft pick next year. So I'd rather take those things, take those assets that are producing and turn them into things that aren't producing that are going to be a good store of value. Right. That's not clogging my active roster. That's not costing me a higher draft pick. Right. Um, If I'm, you know, a successful team, then I'm trying to get just production. You know, and I'll try to pay pay fairly for it. I think you overpay for production. You're hurting yourself in the long run. Um, You know what I mean? There's always another deal later. I try not to get fixated on specific players. I've done that in the past Mm -hmm. and, you know, way overpaid for someone um, when I probably could have pivoted to, you know, a player that's a hair less productive and and got them for way cheaper. So do that a couple of times. You learn your lesson, right? So, like, that's the one kind of trade, like old for young, production for a rebuild. And then the other kind of trades I do is, is, is like cross position trades, right? Like I, I'm weak in one position. I know you're strong in that position. And like you said, there's some guys that are just maybe either just don't like helping other teams or maybe aren't good at assessing their own team's needs. Um, mm-hmm. That's always what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to figure out like what, what helps Paul's team that I can yeah. give him to get what I want if, if I'm trying to do that kind. Yeah, I hear you there. I, uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you this question because it looks here that that the rookie picks are at their most valuable, if you will, right here around the NFL draft, where it's you know you've got here in May you're, you're selling picks. Would you think that in your experience, even at their peak, are, are rookie picks overvalued? You know, I was thinking about that a lot after I saw it on your show sheet. Um, when I first got into dynasty and started playing heavily, you know, maybe four or five years ago, I thought rookie picks were overvalued for sure. I had a lot of success trading picks for proven talent and building teams that way. And like really, you know, built some really strong teams, uh, won some money doing that. Um, I, I have to say though, I think, I think it goes in cycles. I think it has a lot to do with like the hype around an individual draft class. I think if you have like a couple good draft classes in a row, um, it's going to kind of boost pick value up for sure. Um, and then I think it has to do with like we we're talking about, like the kind of micro economy within a league and even with individual players, right? Like um, I play with some people and I know they just like, picks are nearly valueless to them. They are always going to try to trade picks for players and they're going to try to get the best deals they can. Right. And I know other people that definitely, definitely overvalue picks. Right. Mm -hmm. And will overpay for picks consistently. And really talking about like pick value. um, We're talking about two things, right? We're talking about the relative value of what someone will pay for you, pay, pay you for the pick. And we're talking about the absolute value of what that pick turns into, right? Those are two like definitely interrelated, but not congruent concepts, right? Um, 
and I think when you're trading mostly in dynasty, unless you're like in a startup where you're actually drafting picks and you can pick, you know, I want the one one and I'm going to take it in the second round because I know I'm going to get, you know, Brees Hall there or whatever. And I think he's worth yeah. it. There's always the element of variability of like, I don't know what pick this is going to be. Right. And you can try to play the game and be like, oh, this is a bottom three team or this is a top six team, you know. Um, but you, you don't really know. Um, I think I've had some pretty good success trading with people, uh, specifically in startups or, you know, like early in the season uh, that thought their picks were going to be really bad picks. And then all it takes is an injury or two. And now it's right. the 105, it's the 104. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in some ways there's some like delta on the value on trades like that, that you can really benefit from. So, you know, I mean, so was that pick overvalued? Like probably not like likely undervalued, um, you know, of what you can get them for sometimes. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I know it's a long winded answer, but um you know, and then I guess the, the the problem with pick value is that, like, again, we don't know what it's going to turn into. Like, right now, all of these players in this 2022 class, like, they're on Twitter. Like, you know, it's George Pickens Hall of Fame month, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. matches a touchdown pass in a preseason game and, you know, people won't trade him for two first-round picks right now. Like, go try to get a George Pickens trade done. Like, you can't, right? Like, you probably couldn't trade – like Darnell Mooney for George Pickens straight up and get Pickens right now. You know what I mean? Like people will say no to that and you should not say no to that. Like he might be a better player in the long run, but like he might not be like, you don't know. We don't have that much information right now, you know? Um, So I I think, I think to segue into that conversation, I think that rookies can be overvalued a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, We get enamored of these people in the draft process do you play Debbie at all, Paul? Yeah, that's my that was my first taste of Dynasty was the Debbie League. And I was oh. man, such a humbling experience. <laughs> okay. Humbling experience, my friend. But yeah. you know, you, you said something this year. I'm gonna ask you when you just remove their team situations, player versus player, who who is better, Darnell Mooney or, or George Pickens in your eyes? I just think you Pickens could have more upside. He could be the better player. We don't know that right now. You haven't seen him play in a real NFL game yet, right? He has more upside. Sure. He's like the potential to be a true alpha. He also could not do well this year. Like, is Kenny Pickett going to throw him the ball? Is Mitch Trubisky going to throw him the ball? Like, we've already seen Mooney succeed on trash teams. And again, I just pulled the name Mooney out of that. I was looking for the name of, like, a wide receiver two type. You know, my first name. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good name. I like that. You know. But I mean, that's my idea. Like, and you know, and that's, you can go wrong doing that, but a lot of times you can have a lot of success selling hype for proven production. So, you know, I'll ask you this. Do you think that people overvalue like ceiling and potential? Uh, I just think that we're not always great at identifying it. You know what I mean? Like, where do we get this information from? You know? And again, like, Certainly people of different competencies and different skill sets. I do a lot of data work. Data work's great, but then sometimes it leads you to like Tylen Wallace, right? Because he has great production, a great dominator, and then he's Baltimore's fifth string wide receiver, right? 
Right. Same thing like a Tyler Johnson type, right? Like Tyler Johnson was a dominant college wide receiver. He's like maybe the fourth stringer on Tampa Bay, right? Tampa like Bay, he couldn't yeah. break the lineup even when everyone was hurt, you know? Um, and, and then, you know, I, I, there's guys that are really good film analysts. Um, even then, like sometimes we, we think someone's going to be a great player and maybe they're skilled, but maybe they don't take the next step in the NFL. Or maybe yeah. they're just in an environment that's really poor for fantasy production, right? Which I think, you know, with Pickens, you might have more of that situation, you know. But I don't know. I mean, again, like, I like Pickens. He had a dominant freshman year. He played, like, three plays this year. You know what I mean? So from a data perspective, like, he was, like, he had some mixed signals, right? Like, freshman breakout, huge freshman production, awesome. But, uh, you know, like overall, you know, like dominator this year, like pretty weak. A lot of the other metrics, pretty weak. I think Pickens is going to be fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not slamming on Pickens. I'm just saying we still don't have a ton of information right now. And this time of year, a lot of us, and I'm guilty of this too, make a lot of decisions based on camp hype, which oh, yeah. sometimes leads you to like awesome wins. But a lot of times steers are wrong. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, someone posted yesterday and it was, you know, oh, this is the all camp hype team from 2021. And it, it, it of the people on it, there was like one guy that actually hit that year. And it was like every hot name from camp last year. Right. And I think on the list, the only person that hit in a meaningful way for fantasy football was Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, mm-hmm. And there was like, six names on it that all got the same amount of hype. I mean, like 12, like all got the same amount of hype. It's like six wide receivers, four running backs, uh, tight end or two, you know? And um, I just, I, I don't know. You don't, we don't know, you know? Um, so I, I sell the hype usually like Romeo dubs. Right. What do you think about Romeo dubs ball? I mean, I, I like his opportunity, but I've, I'm falling victim to the camp hype because prior to that, I didn't know much about him. I didn't watch any film on him. So I didn't know. I don't really know much about him. I mean, I know that he was productive his last two years in, in school, and it sounds like Aaron Rodgers and him have a connection. But, again, he is a rookie. And, again, it's all hype in the camp. So I don't know what to make of the situation. I'm thankful that I was able to add him uh, to a couple of dynasty rosters for pretty low. And I actually think I drafted him on one, like, in the fourth or fifth round. But, you know, still, even then, even at a good value, I still don't know what to expect from him. Yeah, Um you know, I just – I think he's an interesting case study, right? And, you know, I think this plays into, like, what we're talking about with, like, value and cycles of value is that, like, right yeah. now – and that's the problem is it's tough to sift, like, sift the wheat from the chaff, right? That mm-hmm. We're probably hearing a lot of good things about several players that were also good prospects and they're going to have phenomenal NFL careers, but we're probably hearing the same stuff about a bunch of guys that are – you know, going to be career backups, right? The preseason warriors, right? Like Brian Edwards, perfect example. Remember when Brian Edwards was the next coming of Terrell Owens, mm, right? Yeah, That wasn't very long ago. And, and, and he was a good prospect and he was a second round draft pick. He was a very productive player in the SEC. This is where I'm going with like the George Pickens argument, right? Like I'm not, again, like I like Pickens. I have Pickens. I have rostered Pickens. I pursued him actively in the beginning of the second round in, in rookie drafts where I could, but I, I like Brian Edwards too. Mm-hmm. 
I hear you. So, well, let me ask you, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Pacheco? Well, so he, I think you got to look at it as like a, a, a value and cost, right, equation, right? Like, mm-hmm. I like Pacheco. Is he going to be an RB1? Like, I would heavily bet against that. If I can sell Isaiah Pacheco because I have a couple shares and get paid for him, I'm going to do it. Like, uh, the perfect example is like, look at like, you know, and again, like he's probably okay right now, but James Robinson, right? James Robinson, UDFA, light round guy, had a really successful rookie season. And then a coaching staff went out and drafted a running back in the first round the next year. Look at Michael Carter, Michael Carter, fourth round running back, right? Pretty good rookie season, you know, not bad, not a world beater, but enough that we had hope for him as an NFL player. Mm-hmm. And his coaching staff went out and drafted an elite Three prospect five. in the second round, yeah. right? So um, if I have Isaiah Pacheco, I'm probably holding him right now mm-hmm. unless I get a wild offer. If yeah. I can trade him for a 23 second, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to ship that right away. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to hold and try to sell him, you know, like while he's starting. Or if I have a competitive roster, then like hopefully I get some production out of him. But if you can sell him before the end of the season, you need to do that. All right. Just the chances that maybe he is the RB2 there this year. Maybe he stumbles mm-hmm. into a, a, a lead role because of an injury to CEH or to CEH sucks and Pacheco's more productive. Um, it would shock me. Um, but the chances that he's a starter next year are very slim. Well, you know, let me ask you this because I'm in a bit of, I'm in a situation where I have a competitive team. I actually won the league last year, but my receivers are older and their situations have changed drastically. It's start three wide receiver, and my starting three are Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, and Tyler Lockett. I have Pacheco, and I've been talking with somebody who I hope is not listening to the podcast. <laughs> I've been trying to trade for Brandon Cooks for all offseason. I've offered a 23 second, he wouldn't do it. I've offered packages, he wouldn't do it. You know, he just wants to hold on because he has a nice young team, actually. He could be competing for, you know, he could try to come take my title. But would you trade Pacheco for Brandon Cooks? Hell yeah. Yep. Easily, right? Yeah, without even thinking about it, you know. Um, until he shows us something, like, on an NFL field, right? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm assuming there's a lower chance that he pans out, even for this year, than that he doesn't. And even after he shows us something on an NFL field, there's a lower chance that he has a long and productive NFL, like productive fantasy football career than that he doesn't. Like he might have a long NFL career, probably always going to be a committee guy, right? And get like, we're comparing him to running backs that were college superstars for the most part. Like when you're talking about a starting NFL, I mean, you play Debbie, you know this, starting NFL running back, like the guys that succeed on those roles, even the guys that are like drafted in the fifth round, like Aaron Jones crushed in college. He just played at a G five school. Like there's so many of those guys that were excellent college players. Um, And I'm not saying Pacheco was bad in college, but he was like, like a middling producer, right. On bad teams. And you can say, yeah, it was the team and, that but there's a reason he wasn't a 2000 yard rusher at Rutgers there's a reason he wasn't a day one or day two draft pick 
You know what I mean? Um, I don't think it's just that like all talent evaluators were blind and no one thought about him. Like he played on national TV, like a lot, right? Like Rutgers is still, what's it? Big 10 school. Big 12. I get those things. Uh, I believe it's big, big 10, but I'm not super familiar with, with the college. It's a P5 school. Right? It's, a, it's a power five conference. You know, they play yeah. on national TV every week. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast earlier and they were talking about Pacheco and it's how, you know, the reason he, he has good size, he had good metrics and everything, but the only reason he slipped was because of his situation at Rutgers. Do you do you think the situation, you know, how much does situation matter for you when it comes to, to drafting guys like a Pacheco or a Dubs or a Pickens, things like that? Well, I mean, don't. I love drafting Isaiah Pacheco in the fourth and fifth round of rookie drafts. Like that's what those picks are for. Right, they're to yeah, they're that's to, true. They're to, and I love drafting dubs in the fourth round of rookie draft. Like those right, picks right. are for high upside guys, like athletic guys, producers in college with low draft capital. Like that's what those picks are for. You know what I mean? And and honestly, and I fall victim to this sometimes too. But like you should be drafting Pacheco and Dubs of those picks, and not Kyle Phillips. Right? You shouldn't be drafting the like slot receiver archetype and a run first offense. You should be drafting the athletic UDFA running back on a high powered offense. You should be drafting the super producer athletic college wide receiver on a high powered offense with no real competition in front of him. Right. And I, I mess that up sometimes, cause I, you know, whatever, we all do the camp hype thing. Um, mostly with those picks, I try to spread them out with, running backs that I think will have upside, you know, like Pacheco, Beatty, uh, mm-hmm. guys like that. Oh, one thing I did this year, in hindsight, I'm, I've am i been thinking about it. I don't know if it was a mistake or I just – whatever, sometimes luck of the draw sort of thing. But I spent a lot of picks in that range on Keontae Ingram um, mm. because high-powered offense, not much in the backfield. He has the marks of some of the traits of a good rusher, right, like – athleticism, pass catching ability. Um, but it looks like that one's probably not panning out, you know, like the, the preseason uh, action hasn't looked great. You don't hear a lot about him, but again, it could just be like, no one's talking about him. He could seize a role in that backfield and have a decent um, career. I just, I'm not feeling good about it right now. Yeah, I was uh, I was listening again to a podcast earlier. They were talking about Keontae Egram, how there's a lot of hype with uh, uh, Eno Benjamin, you know, saying that he's he's been um, getting a lot of praise from from uh, what's what's the head coach's name of the Cardinals? Uh, it's escaping me too. Uh, Lincoln Riley, right? And but he 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 was saying that he thought that Keontae Ingram, if there were to be an injury to either Eno or to James Conner, that he would step in and probably eventually become the starter. Dude. Is that the type of player that you think he is? Keontae, I, I go back and forth on it because the thing about Keontae is uh, he never had like a dominant rushing season in college, right? Yeah. Never put up a thousand yards. Never put up you know a thousand combined yards. Even I think his first couple seasons at Texas, he was pretty good. And then, I mean, and now we get to narrative street, right? He had two seasons that were average. I think the second season he got hurt. And then they recruited Bijan Robinson, right? Who's the second coming of Saquon Barkley, um, who just immediately 
you know, booted him out of the lineup, right? Yeah. And then he went to – he's pretty play last year. Uh, not UCLA, the other one. Um, USC? Yeah, I played at USC last year, right? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, I think – yeah, I think he played at USC last year and played well. But, again, like, not a dominant product. Are you looking it up? <laughs> well, yeah, I was actually – I wanted to see the, the head coach of the um, – the it's Cliff Kingsbury, not Lincoln Cliff Riley. Kingsbury. It was bugging me. That's what yeah, I didn't want to correct you on the Lincoln Riley, but he's, he's the coach <laughs> at USC. <laughs> yeah, but please, yeah, please do. And, yeah, that's a, that's a team to watch for, right, especially in Debbie. Yeah, 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 right. Um, anyway, so that's like – you know, I can look back at that draft pick and be like, well, he was never dominant in college. So why would I expect him to come in and, you know, seize mm, yeah. a real role in the NFL? But I don't know. I mean, in hindsight, I maybe should have spread him out more. Like I probably have like 11 copies of him to like two of Pacheco and like two of Dubs. Um, but I just really saw an opportunity for him. Um, you know, and he really – he fits the archetype of the the pass catching back with size um, and goal line ability. You know, that's, that's what we're chasing, right? That's like fantasy right. gold, like goal line ability, pass catching ability, opportunity in front of him. Like that's the thought process that led people to draft James Robinson and profit. Right. Absolutely. You know, I know what type of uh, trader you are when it comes to players, but when you're looking to buy picks, are you doing this? Are you usually buying before or after the NFL draft? Yeah, I, my theory, um, and it's usually pretty successful, is like if you're trying to sell players and buy picks, like this is probably not the right time to do it. Maybe if you're trying to sell like – rookies for picks and profit like you don't think chris Olave is that great he's got hype you can flip him for a 23 and you think that's a profitable trade like that's a good trade to do now if you can sell dubs for the 23 first you must do that oh gosh yeah yeah i mean a second you probably should do that you know but like there's a world where you regret it you know so it depends on your risk tolerance there really um but if you're trying to sell vets for picks, you should do it in season, right? Because it's a supply and demand thing, right? Like there's no need for production right now because there's not games going on. But, yeah, you know, in week five and week six, you know, that guy in fourth place wants to win, you know? So he's going to pay up for Dalvin Cook. He's going to pay up for Austin Eckler, right? Because he wants whatever he's going to push him over the edge. And I say that guy, and like, if I have a good team, like I am that guy, like I will – I will spend the future money to win the pot. Like, I don't care. Absolutely, It's all monopoly money, you know, like literally, right? Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah, you know. I, I know you said that George Pickens was somebody you were looking, you were targeting in the second round. You said you mentioned uh, Isaiah Pacheco drafting him in the fourth round. But was there a, a rookie that you were hoping and praying you were, you were at least going to get one share of or, you know, heavily targeting in most of your, your rookie drafts? Yeah, like I said, I do a lot of, like, rookie and draft work, so I kind of wind up liking a lot of the guys. Um, yeah. I try not to get fixated on any one guy. Uh, you can go wrong doing that. Again, like, maybe people that are better talent evaluators than me uh, can do that more successfully, but I'll, I'll do more of, like, a tier type thing, right? So this year I was really high on all the top wide receivers, 
I have more shares of Burks than I do anyone else. I was taking Burks over Drake London, and I like Drake London. I just think Burks had a more complete profile. Um, Dominant in the SEC, size speed guy. Uh, I just, you know, the film's not overwhelming, but like good. Um, And then, you know, all the data and the conference. um, I really do like SEC wide receivers substantially more than uh, people from the Pac-10 or or, or Big Ten for sure. Um, So, yeah, like a tons of tons of Burks. Uh, I liked Wilson a lot. He was my wide receiver one. Didn't love the Jets landing spot because I'm a big Elijah Moore fan and I'm not a big Zach Wilson fan. So mm-hmm. I kind of faded him a little bit, like not actively avoiding him, but mm-hmm. I definitely prioritize getting Burks in London over him, whereas in a different landing spot scenario, I, I would have more aggressively pursued Wilson. I think Wilson's a guy that I think you go after him midseason, maybe after three or four games if he hasn't broken out yet, mm-hmm. you know, um, you definitely, he's going to break out at some point in the season. He's too talented not to, I think you got to try to hope for that slump before that, where maybe you can, uh, trade us a, a 24 first for him straight up, something like that. Um, uh, the running backs, I faded pretty much. I mean, I like Brees, I got Brees where I could, yeah. um, uh, Walker, I got a couple of shares of where he was reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely was taking all those wide receivers over Walker. Walker's fine. He's a good running back, but those wide receivers are excellent. Like London, Wilson, Burks specifically. Um, uh, I really like Jamison Williams a lot. Um, yeah, I don't I like care about the too. situation. He's going to get a quarterback upgrade. Um, and then, uh, Lave, I, I like, I wasn't super high on him at the beginning of the process, but, uh, doing more work on him. I really was impressed with the route running. And I do think that's a lot of where the NFL is going, um, you know, rather than like the big or has been going for the past four years, really like rather than, you know, like alphas um, really seeking guys that can create separation and, and help their quarterback. Um, so I got some Olave. Um, yeah. Faded the running backs though. Like Damian Pierce looks like it might sting for me, but you mm, had to take yeah. him. You had to take him over Pickens. You had to take him over Jahan Dotson. And I'm not going to ever take a day three running back over a day one or day two wide receiver. I'm just not, you know. Uh, well, I will over like a Tyquan Thornton, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, I for running backs, I, I, I took some shares of Cook. Um, I didn't love him that much before the draft. I'm thinking that that might be something that we all regret. Like looking back a year from now, I, I don't know. I mean, James Cook could oh, really? explode, but mm-hmm. if you had to ask me right now, if there was one guy that was overdrafted, he'd probably be my answer. Um, yeah. He's going to be in a committee. Like he's always going to be in a committee. Um, he's the only one that can cast patch catch passes in it. Um, but I, I think he winds up with a backfield mate. You know, whether it's next year or the year after, that's more of a true number one and I don't know. Um, but, and then Rashad white was the one guy from the running backs that I took a little over ADP after those wide receivers are gone. I took him mm-hmm. every single time. I took a couple shares of cook in that range just to mix it up. But Rashad white um, has really good film, 
shows some really good traits on film. There's stuff he's got to work on. Um, like some of the processing stuff isn't always perfect with him between the tackles, but his analytical profile is stellar. You know, it's, you know, it's not elite, right? Like when I do my data work, I, I kind of do color tiers and that's what I do. You know, he's like nowhere near as that elite tier, but he's like solidly in like that second tier of guys out of which come people like analytically, uh, like, like Swift comes from that tier, um, guys like Kamara come from that tier uh, routinely, like a lot of really productive NFL backs. Like it's a pretty good percentage hit. And then that combined with the draft capital um, just really made me like seek him out quite a bit. But again, like wide receivers in this class before all, and then, uh, you know, once they're gone, uh, I took Sean White. Yeah. So We've talked about uh, trading for players and everything, but at this point in the year, we're sitting here August, we're weeks away from the season. Do you feel like it's the time to try and buy low on future picks, or is this the time to overpay for veterans if you're if you're a contending team? Yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit. So I do think that if your move is to try to stock up on veterans, then you're going to get a good value right now. I don't think you have to overpay, but um, – you know, I'd be targeting guys like A.J. Brown right now, right? Like, value has taken a huge hit. Is it really a downgrade from, you know, Tannehill to Jalen Hurts? Like, I don't think so, you oh, know? Yeah. Uh, I'd be hit targeting someone like him. Um, Cooks, I, I wind up with on, like, every single team that I have just because he's always undervalued. Um, but I get him in drafts more, right? Yeah. Uh, Robert Woods, I was aggressively accumulating earlier this season, mostly in drafts because he was just so darn cheap. Um, Lockett, right? Lockett's like a getting drafted in like the mid thirties of like wide receivers right now. And he's like pretty much locked in as a wide receiver too at the end of the year. Um, so I think there's a ton of value to be had there. I am really risk adverse in that manner. So, I'm not like stocking up on veterans right now. I do think if you time it right, you can still get good values on those guys um, like during the season. Right. Um, But specifically if I'm trying to accumulate production and not like get crushed on the trade, I'm going to target older veterans on bad teams in my league because Tyler Lockett has no value to you if you're like the 10th place team in a league. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Like he's he's at nearing the end of his productivity. He's not helping you. So in that trade situation, you have leverage, right? Particularly if you're doing it like week four, week five, right? Um, you know, when you're a little bit more like at the trade deadline, that's when you tend to get bent over the barrel. You know, people know you have a need. Now you're the one if they need, um, you know, particularly if their roster is not terrible or they're shrewd. Like some people just won't give you the, don't want to give you the deal. Like you said, there's guys that just don't want to give you the deal. Um, yeah. I don't know. What's your, what's your thought on that, Paul? Do you have a strategy with that? Yeah. I mean, if I were a team where I know that my chances of being a real deal contender are pretty slim, I'd be looking to, you know, trade away like a Tyler Lockett and a third for a 2020 second. Hopefully, you know, of course, try to get a first or like, you know, a, a, a 2020 second and maybe like a, um, 
a Terrace Marshall or something just to just for that lottery ticket opportunity. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah, I like that trade. I think that's a good a good trade. You know. Yeah, you mentioned Jahan Donson. He was somebody who I was actually kind of avoiding in drafts, but you know, I I did end up um, you know taking one after I was kind of hearing the OTA reports about their chemistry with Wint, with uh, Wentz and, you know, McLaurin was sitting out and everything. I'm glad that I do have him, but as a prospect, what were your thoughts on him? Uh, I was a big fan of Dodson. Um, I did, I did some work on him, uh, you know, like last year, even like not this past draft cycle, but the year before. And then I did a lot of, I did, I cut up a few Penn state games this past year. And um, I don't know, man, he, was a super producer with crap, crap quarterback play and a generally weak team around him, like a weak Mm -hmm. offense. Like that Penn State offense was not good this year. They weren't running the ball effectively. They did not have a good offensive line. He was the only threat on the field. Parker Washington, sure, I like Parker a lot too. But, um, you know, people knew that like Dawson was going to have to get the work done if they were going to get a W and, uh, and then they couldn't stop him, you know, and he shredded man coverage, he shredded zone um, and, you know, and, and really did a lot of work after the catch. Uh, I was a little nervous about him just because he is a late declare and that's a huge red flag and a profile. I'm sure as you know, um, and, you know, it didn't like produce really early, but, you know, broke out solidly his junior year and then, you know, had a massive production year as a senior. Um, and in the day, like, I, I just, I really did like his film. Um, you only hear, like, high character stuff about him. He looked awesome in the combine, just, like, yeah. so fluid, so smooth. And, um, you know, the kind of the draft process really solidified for me that the NFL was as high on him as um, as I was. So I didn't put him over Lave. I was drafting him pretty much like interchangeably with pick, picket pickens. So when I have guys kind of the same, I'll take one chair, one, one chair, the other. So I don't get, you know, I don't feel too busted up if I pick the wrong one, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had him right in that range, like kind of the last wide receivers that I really liked. Yeah. There was a couple of teams where I wish I would have, uh, you know, maybe consider taking him more, taking pickens more where I took like a, a James Cook or I traded back or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, We've talked about how camp hype can get us excited for rookies and, and things like that, but is this the worst time of year to trade for rookie players? Uh, Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Probably. Um, I mean, I think the worst and the best, right? Cause there's definitely a world where, if for some reason you're super confident in your evaluation of one of these guys, mm-hmm. um, you can still get them at a price that's going to be cheaper than what you're going to get them for post breakout. Like for sure. Right. Um, if George Pickens goes off this year and, you know, through eight games, he has 600 yards and, and four touchdowns, like he's going to cost two first round picks to get, you know what I mean? At least a first and a second, you know what I mean? Um, as opposed to right now, like you, any of these guys, you're probably going to throw a 23 first at and have it accepted. Uh, part of that's the hype of the 23, right? Um, Burks, I bet you could throw a 23 first for Burks right now, you know? And he was, uh, you know, like the the next great thing, you know, during draft season. 
but uh, you know, a couple of bad reports and, and, and his value really falls, you know, um, yeah, Drake London, right. Um, you know, if you think Drake London is going to be a superstar and he's going to be worth two first rounders next year and you're confident in that, this will be the cheapest you can ever get him. You yeah, know, that's true. Um, but yeah, there's no one you drafted in the first round this year that you can't acquire for a 23 first right now, you know? Um, so yeah, I think the best and the worst, right. But if I was trying to buy rookies, I would certainly be going after, well, let me rephrase that. I am trying to acquire Burks aggressively. Um, mm -hmm. I think the other guy that you might, you know, poke around on right now would be like Olave. There hasn't been much hype about him in the past few weeks. Um, you know, the guys that have been real quiet, Jameson, you know, still mm -hmm. probably acquirable right now. Although mostly people that drafted Jameson, like did it with the attitude that they're going to wait. But, you know, once the season starts, you know, two games in, if that team of Jameson on, it's having some success. That's that's a guy you send a vet for, you know what I mean? That's a guy you send Lockett and a second, you know, and get Jamison yeah. Williams back. Um, you know, give them something they can use now for for something. I that's like that deal. Later, you know, I was. It's funny you mentioned you're targeting Burks in a trade because I was talking with somebody about trading for DJ Chark, but then I was looking at the roster and I noticed that they had a uh, trade Burks as trade bait, and I was like, well, I wonder if they do this trade. Tell me if you would do this. Would you trade? Um, Traylon Burks for Antonio Gibson. Uh, me, hell no. Uh, I'd rather have Burks. Um, yeah, okay. Also, honestly, it's probably a good time to try to acquire Antonio Gibson, right? Like, yes, yeah, it is. He's pretty much, he's pretty much left for dead right now. You're, yeah. He's going off drafts, like dynasty drafts. It's, it's like RB twenty something. Hmm. What would you what would you trade? Like what what round pick, 2023 20, round pick would you trade for Gibson? I certainly wouldn't give a first for him, but I think you could get it done with a second. Like people think mm. he's dead. Um I again I'm risk averse though. So um I don't do well with that kind of trade. Like I just like I'll 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 send real money for Burks because I'm confident in my evaluation of him. Gibson like we pretty much know he's good, right? Like his metrics yeah. are good for the most part. He's been productive, but there's so much negativity about him right now that I would have a hard time sending real money. I'm definitely trying to lowball that. You know what I mean? If I can send whatever, you know, like some, some real trash for him, I'm going to do it, but I'm probably yeah. not going to send you anything that you want to accept. <laughs> I hear you, man. So, you know, here's a fun little uh, discussion that's often cir uh, circulating on the Twitter timelines. It's it's keep trade cut here. And EK, I, I feel like this might have been the most difficult uh, question here on the uh, on the show sheet. But uh, of these three assets, what you're going to keep, you're going to trade and you're going to cut. It's the 2023-1-1, Justin Jefferson, Kyle Pitts. Who you keeping, who you trading, who you cutting? Yeah, that's tough, man. That's tough. I'll tell you um... – Of those three, it's going to depend a little bit on, like, you know, roster and setup, but I probably want Pitts the most. I'm probably – Oh, really? I can see there's – yeah, I have a theory, but I can see a world where I trade Pitts because he has the most value, I keep Jefferson, and I cut the 101. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but right now – Pitts is what a top eight startup pick in a super flex startup, like super flex tight end premium. He's a top eight pick. 
every single time. Does not make it out of the first round. Jefferson, maybe 112, 201 you get him at. Um, oh, wow. I've never seen him go that late in a startup. No, that late. Right, yeah. So you're saying Jefferson's like top 10, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Like, I've seen last go year, like you top get him five. in the turn. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, super flex. Super yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I only play super flex. So um, my theory is this. Like, one, I, I, Jefferson and Pitts are both – uh, difference makers on your roster, right? Mm-hmm. But I think I would trade Pitts just because he's got a slightly higher, um, I think, value right now. I could probably get more for him. And, uh, you know, if I can trade Pitts and pivot down to, like, Mark Andrews or, like, I don't know, even, like, get really, really paid and, and get a Dalton Schultz or someone that I can live with, um, I think I'd do that. And here's the thing about the 101. Like, yeah, like, picks are a great store of value, but – the player that you take with that one one what's the likelihood that they're, I guess it's B. John, right? Yeah. More than likely either B. <laughs> John thinking, or maybe Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. I mean, I, I had been thinking about it. Cause again, super flex guy that like the one one is going to be Stroud or Bryce. Oh, Young. Yeah. Right, what's right. the chances that this time next year, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud are a top 10 pick at dynasty. Like, very slim, but if it's Bijan, then like maybe he is a top ten pick. Um, but you know, I'll, I'd still take a burden hand, take the burden hand. Just like Jefferson's elite, he's an elite playmaker. Pitts is elite, he's an elite playmaker. What if Bijan gets hurt between now and then? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what if Bijan goes to like the worst team scenario possible? You know, like he gets drafted by the Seahawks and has to share carries with Ken Walker. You oh, know, God. there's things that can go wrong on that. I guess the pick itself holds value, right? So you can always pivot and take a JSN or take a Gibbs, something like that. But um, I don't know. I did Jefferson is such a difference maker. Like, I think he's going to have a better year this year than he did last year. Yeah, um, same here. You know, you know, people are saying like a Cooper Cup-esque season, and I I, I could see that, you know. Thielen's mm-hmm. uh, fading. They don't have anyone else different offense. Um, yeah. Know, does that make sense? Clear. I think you're different. Oh, you, yeah, you yeah. Really have the pick? No, I would probably – I would keep Justin Jefferson. I would trade – man, I hate to say this. I think I'd probably trade the 23-1-1 and I'd have to cut Kyle Pitts, I think. Now, but, of course, if it's tight in premium, then it's an entirely different ballgame, obviously, right? Well, all my leagues are tight in premium. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, see, I'm still I'm in a league or two that's not tied in premium, and it's the one my first my debut league that I was talking about my first ever taste of dynasty. It's still one QB, and it's we still have kickers and defense, and he will not change. The commissioner won't change for anything, dude. So, so I guess we're pretty much on the same page. Yeah, if I wasn't tied in premium, then like yeah, that 101 is definitely worth more than pits. Right, right. For sure. Okay, so here we, we're going to move on to our next uh, topic here. It's crazy. You're calculated here, uh, EK. I'm going to share a, a thought or prediction or projection with you, and you tell me if I'm crazy or calculated. Here I have da- – I know you're a New England you're a, a New England Patriots guy, so I'm curious to see your thoughts on this. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson combined to score 25 touchdowns. Man, I'm not sure if Damian Harris is going to be on the roster week one. Are you serious? <laughs> that's the rumor. That's the rumor. What's the what's the rumor? I did hear that that's a possibility he could get traded, but is that now a rumor? I I 
it's a rumor. It, the beat, it's, some beat brought it up. Um, but I, I think a lot of times, particularly the Patriots, when you hear something like that, it's getting leaked for some reason, either either contract negotiations or because they want to, they want to sell. Or wouldn't gauge you know? interest they, or something. If they can get a second for him right now or third, like they probably should do that. They got Stevenson, oh, a bunch yeah. of young rookies. But if you told me that Patriots running backs combined for twenty five touchdowns. <laughs> I could see it, but I, I still think it's a little crazy. I think they pass a little more this year, and the running game regresses a little bit. Um, but also, I haven't looked at the line, like what's going on at the O-line. Is Strange going to pan out? Like Cole Strange, right? I, I don't know. He seemed to have played okay in the joint practices this week. And uh, and they got his volume because Bill was trying to shield the rookie, right? Mm-hmm. This year he has traded a pick for Devontae Parker. He has drafted Tyquan Thornton, the second round pick. He wants to throw the ball more, so I think you're crazy, Paul. Hey, I'm I'm fine with that. Well, uh, you mentioned that uh, you didn't sound like you didn't like Tyquan Thornton based on a comment you made earlier in the show. What are your thoughts on him? So. I have warmed up to him. He seems to be playing really well. I have yeah. very mixed feelings on him uh, going into the draft. Like, I think I was higher than consensus on him before the draft uh, because he did have some aspects of his analytical profile that I like. Like, he had a, a breakout. Uh, I think it was a sophomore breakout, you know, over 20% of his team's passing offense. Um you know, and in a really bad passing offense, really bad quarterbacks. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was a little higher on him than, you know, him being off the radar. And then, you know, when he ran really fast, I literally said to myself and on Twitter, some dumb team is going to draft him on day two now. <laughs> and then my yeah. team drafted him on day two. And I think I really got overly sour about it. And I mean, a lot of it for me was, talk about Pickens a lot. Pickens was still on the board. Sky Moore was still on the board, both of whom I was pretty high on. And, uh, and we like need the Patriots need, they need a legit alpha wide receiver. And I just don't see him as that. I see him as like a really good role player. Right. So I think I overcorrected and I was like very vehemently poo-pooing the move for a while, but he looked really good in the first preseason game. Uh, All the camp hypes are good. Camp camp reports are good. He, mm-hmm. uh, in the last practice report I looked at, he had he tied Jacoby Myers for the team lead in targets. So oh. those are good signs. Yeah. So are you are you excited for the offense overall? Or are you excited for Mac Jones? I think Jones is legit, man. I think oh, yeah. he can play. Um, you know, I think we're really going to – the thing I'm worried about, and again, this, this ties into the running backs too, is – Who's running the offense for the Patriots? They've had one of the best coordinators in football mm-hmm. um, pretty much as long as, you know, I can remember, right? Like that McDaniels, then he went to Denver, right? And came back, um, you know, and now they have cast off coaches from the Lions in New York that weren't offensive coaches, it's, it makes me not feel great. 
Yeah, say, for sure. For the offense. So um, I hear you. I just don't know what to think about it. Yeah, that, that is one big question mark. All right, EK, based on this conversation tonight, you strike me as a more of a calculated person, not so much of a hot take or, or bold prediction guy. But if you did have one bold prediction for the for the 2022 NFL season, what would it be? It could be oh, fantasy gosh, or just football-wise. Uh, I think uh, real football and fantasy, I don't know how hot this is, but I think the Eagles are playoff team. Oh, yeah. Easily and make a deep mm. run. I think mm. Jalen Hurts is a top three fancy football quarterback. I think yeah. he's got a legit shot at QB one. Um, I don't know if that's hot. Um, I guess right now hot. I would say um, Traylon Burks leads all rookie wide receivers in yardage. I don't know if that's Ooh. hot. That was like consensus a couple months ago. Right. I still think it's reasonable. You know what I mean? Um, Tannehill's a good quarterback. Burks fits the mold of what he likes to throw to. Mm-hmm. Burks is really, really good. Um, so, I don't know. Is that bold enough? No, I, I like that. So, I guess your bold call would be Traylon Burks leads all rookie wide receivers and receiving yards? Yeah, receiving yardage and touchdowns. Both. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, hey, man, EK, I really enjoyed our discussion tonight. I can't thank you enough for stopping by. Uh, before we get you out of here, let the people know uh, what kind of content they can expect from you in the future and where they can find it. Yeah, again, uh, I'm on Twitter at EK Baller. All of my articles, which is my primary content delivery right now, are on Dynasty Nerds, but I'll always post them to Twitter when I drop them. Tons of rookie work, probably doing some Debbie work this year. Um, probably doing some freshman profiles. I've been having the itch to do it. So I, I do a lot of campus to Canton uh, leagues and oh, I find a lot of joy in, in, in scouting that stuff because there's just not a lot of information out there. Obviously, the campus to Canton guys at cdc.com are doing a good job, but I still feel like there's some room there for, for me to have fun. Um, and then hopefully we'll get the podcast back off the ground. Rob? Yes, sir. Brett, oh, what's, the, what's the name of that podcast? So when people uh, keep their eye for it. The Anger Management Fantasy Football Podcast. We went with him, hers branding because it's far more interesting than mine. <laughs> yes, sir. And remind the people they can find you on Twitter, EK. Yeah, I am at EK Baller, like it says in the letters right there. So give me a follow. Give me a shout out. Tell me you hate me. Tell me you think I'm smart. <laughs> tell me something. Yes, sir. Hopefully more of the second one than the first one, right? Guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. We appreciate you joining us and I'll see you guys next week.